Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined here in studio by Molly Williams. Hello, Molly. Hey, Sarah. Nice to be here. Yes. So we're recording this mid-August, and you are fresh back from an annual hiking trip. Yeah. So we were going to go to the Wallawas, my neighbor Richard and my friend Joanna and I, but the mosquitoes had just hatched. So we didn't do that. We went to Goat Rocks instead. We had an amazing Which time. Which is, tell people who don't, because oh, even I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So it's in Washington. It's between Mount Adams and Mount Rainier. So if you were to draw a diagonal line, it's about halfway between. Okay. The Pacific Crest Trail does run through that area. Oh, yeah. okay. That's interesting. So we did see some, a lot of PCTers and that was oh, fun wow. too, uh-huh. including a woman who was like in her seventies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she'd already done the Appalachian Trail. She was coming up from Mexico. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Because by that point, they are pretty close to the end. Yeah. They're pretty close to the end. So I don't know when she, yeah, I think they're within a couple hundred 300 miles i don't know yeah, yeah and when it, you're talking a more than a thousand mile journey yeah <laughs> yeah and we did talk to another a young woman she's probably in her 20s she started in may so this was august 10th. oh my goodness yeah so these guys have been on the trail for a long time so pct is a much longer hike than uh hiking uh, in appalachian uh, alex is saying yes <laughs> so okay so tell us about your trip because i know that people loved hearing about your um this one was more successful than last year's. Yeah, yeah, it was more successful, but a couple odd things happened. So on the way up, we oh, yeah, turned onto that, a yeah. Forest Service road, and we were going up the Forest Service road, and we see a car that's wrecked into a tree, you know, mm-hmm. like you do sometimes, and you're like, oh, gosh, that doesn't look good. And we were starting to drive by it, and I noticed that the trunk light was on because the trunk had flipped up, and the light was on. I'm like, I better stop and check. So I went to look in the back of the car, and I could see the a backpack. I'm like, oh backpack's still there and I looked in the driver's seat the driver's sitting there oh my gosh and he the driver's side window is broken the door is bashed in he ran into a tree fortunately otherwise he would have flipped over into this ravine but um he's he's sitting there and I said are you okay and he turns to look at me kind of like out of the living dead he's like uh how do I look and I'm like oh (laughs) well I you 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 look fine I think I think you look fine and actually he had blood all over him but um he hadn't broken his nose or his jaws didn't lost didn't losing teeth or anything like that I said we're gonna we're gonna get you out um so you just stay right here and I went back to the car and turned it off told him he's still in there so uh was able to get him out the passenger side he could he could walk uh he was a little woozy um we we got him up got his stuff out of the car and then there was a car coming back down the hill Mm -hmm. uh, because we were about 10 miles in at that point so it was taking us a long time to get us back to town but anyway there's somebody coming down and they took him back to town and by the time we got him in the car he looked like um he might start to pass out because he was in shock Mm -hmm. um and oh yep sorry quit tapping things (laughs) He was in shock, and then he, and Alex is just tisking me, uh, and then he was starting to get a little woozy, but I think he was going to be okay. Yeah. Wow. So well, that was so kind of So an auspicious scary. beginning. Yeah, and we feel like by the dried blood and stuff, he'd probably been there 20, 30 minutes before we mm. found him. But anyway, so we, we get to the trailhead. Everything goes well. We had a great trip, you know, talked to lots of people. Wildflowers were in bloom. Mm. Um, we, we had an inversion going on in Portland, which means it was, or in the northwest, meaning it was cloudy down below and it was sunny up above. Mm. So it was really, it was beautiful. You could look out, we could see the clouds below us and all the mountains coming Oh, because what, what elevation were you at approximately? Oh, 14th. 14? 
don't Hunter, know. Hunter Dimity telling about I her don't, 14. I Maybe I'm just thinking that. I don't know. We were up above the clouds, whatever that is. You must have been more than 1,400 feet. I'm so bad with numbers. <laughs> I really am. Anyway, so then uh, the other odd thing that happened was that there last night that we were in a terrible thunderstorm. Um, we had thunder and lightning over us from for about two hours, from about 10 to midnight, which was annoying, um, although and somewhat scary, but not really that scary because we were in a bit of a knoll. I felt like we were fine. And then there was driving rain, uh, and that was unnerving because it was really challenging my tent. Um, and then that stopped and then there was this silence. I'm like, okay, it's over. And then I could hear this coming up the mountain Mm -hmm. and it was really like a horror movie. It was just this growing noise Mm -hmm. and then bang, the wind hit the tents. And when we had 50 mile an hour gusts, my tent was just bouncing down and bouncing out back up on top Mm -hmm. of me. It was awful. Um, I saw Joanna's flashlight. Because each of you, you and your two friends, uh, had everybody, had, everybody had their own tents. Yeah, so I so I saw Joanna's light come on. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I'm coming in with you. <laughs> her One of her stakes had come loose, and so she was getting water in her tent. And we were both, we were all terrified. And Richard was fine. And he's like, well, that'll take care of the mosquitoes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it was good to have some levity. Anyway, we survived the storm. Uh, it was about another hour of wind and then that went away and then the stars came out Mm. and then we hiked out the next morning which was our plan and ran into a guy who'd been in that area about 50 years and he said it was the worst storm he'd ever encountered in the mountains so and oh my gosh it said the same thing so it was really a pretty bad storm oh my and to think that you just happened you were there for what three Three nights three nights and one of the nights that's what you get yeah yeah but got a got a good story to tell yes yes Oh. Three to eight thousand feet. Okay. I was I was not anywhere near <laughs> the right range. Thank you, Alice. <laughs> but we're going to talk about breasts today. We are speaking of uh, speaking of breasts, that... and I've got I got two breast stories for you. Okay. So one has to do with backpacking. So I went to go uh, get a new day pack because my day pack is quite heavy, and we're, we're going to do some more day hiking. I thought oh, I'll go get a new one. So one of the styles are these running styles, mm-hmm. and they're not exactly a running vest, but they're a style of backpack that has two front snaps on them so that you have um, the shoulder sleeves can put things in them and you have a little more stability in mm-hmm. those parts that go over your shoulder. And so I'm trying those on and I get the front one attached and then I go to get the lower one attached and I literally have to pick up my breasts <laughs> <laughs> to like get the strap underneath them. And this young man, you know, he's in his 20s, is looking at me, he's like, well, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't think so either. He's like, we have a bit of bigger size. I'm like, I'm like, game. I'm like, okay, let's try that. Yeah, no, that wasn't going to work either. He's like, we have these other styles. I'm like, sure, let's let's just look at the traditional kind. So anyway. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So so then what's your other? My, my other big breast story is that when I was in college, I had this boyfriend who, you know, liked my breasts well enough. And one day he says, you know, you if you started doing these chest exercises, I think you can make your breasts more perky. Stop it. I know. <sighs> And I, I remember that to say, and just looking at him being like, no. And say maybe if you tied a weight to the end of your penis, maybe it'll make it bigger. <laughs> That's the comeback I needed. Oh, come but I'm still on. indignant to this day. I'd say so. <laughs> and on with the show. 
yeah 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 so all right well so if you if you're still with us um this <laughs> alex is lying <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the guys who try to, you know, regain their foreskin. <laughs> is that There's a whole movement. There's a thing. Is oh, that a you, thing? Be- you bet there is. Oh yeah. Well, how uh-huh. has this not come up before? <laughs> well, that's fu- so to that's speak. conversation for. <laughs> this is conversation for a run, I think. Um. So all right. So okay. This is about running after breast surgery, specifically breast augmentation and breast reduction. Mm-hmm. This is not post-mastectomy augmentations, but cosmetic ones, because I feel they're two two different situations, and it kind of just, it was like a, a scientific study. It would add too many variables to the equation. So um, as women runners, we know what a big part of the picture boobs play when we run. So I wanted to find out what it's like to run after, and in the case of reduction before, these types of surgery. After this brief brief break in which we'll regain our composure, uh, we'll talk to two real mother runners who had breast reduction surgery, then two who had augmentation surgery. Stay with us. Our first guest is April Davis from Woodbury, Minnesota, where she is a coach for moms on the run, among other things. Thanks for talking with us, April. Hi. Thank you for having me. Very excited today. Good, good. So tell us the ages of your kids who you told me you just took on a 2000 mile road trip during which you binge listened to our podcast. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you for keeping me sane. Uh, 2000 <laughs> miles across North Dakota and Montana <laughs> with my two kids. So my oldest daughter, Ashley, she just turned 13 last week. And then my son, Jackson, who is 11. Nice. Good. Nice. Did the kids listen to the podcast with you? No, they were watching movies in the back. Ah, all right, just as well. Yeah, kids get bored with that kind of stuff, don't they? Yeah, although yeah. I would laugh and they, they would say, Mom, what are you laughing at? You're like, oh, it's too complicated, never mind. <laughs> so tell us about yourself as a runner these days. We understand you weren't a consistent runner before your reduction, mainly because it was so difficult or uncomfortable. That's true, yes. Um, before the reduction, um, I was a very consistent runner because of the challenges that come with carrying an extra several pounds strapped to your chest. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I am a coach with the Woodbury Moms on the Run, and I run almost every day, I would say. Absolutely love it. It's my stress relief. It's my social time. Um, Just really helps keep me grounded. And I run every distance um, from 5Ks to marathons. I'm not picky. Mm-hmm. Ragnars, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So uh, take us back in time to share your thought process when you're contemplating your reduction, including how you decided what size to reduce to and what your original size was. All right. So when I was considering having a breast reduction, I guess for me, it, it seemed very natural to um, consider that as an option. Um, I really hated the size of my breasts. I hated everything about it. I I felt like they got in the way of my everyday life um, from the fact that I couldn't just jump on the treadmill and run. You know, I had to stack on three bras and deal with pain during and after um, to just, I couldn't even wear the clothes that I wanted to wear, the style I wanted to wear, because I had to wear what worked with my breasts (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and it just 
for me, it, the whole scenario was frustrating. Um, at the time, I lived in a in Montana, and online shopping wasn't what it is today. So even mm-hmm. just buying abroad aware was a huge ordeal. So mm. I'm a person where if I don't like something, I'm going to change it. And so I, I didn't like the size of my breasts. So for me, the natural course was, well, let's change this. And how do we change this? <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. working with my insurance company and finding a doctor I trusted and um, going through that process. Um, mm-hmm. So by the time I went in for my breast reduction, um, I think I was, I think my last bra, and it's been a few years, been about a decade, but I was in the J range um, mm. for a cup size. So mm-hmm. I was carrying around some, some big boulders. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty J, good. J for jugs. Yes, uh-huh. J yep. for jugs. <laughs> I were like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, J, K. Does it go like you had to go through all those yeah. to get to J? Yeah, you yeah. know the little spinny wheel thing when you're buying something? Yeah. I've been in that thing forever. <laughs> My brother yeah. eyes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So on a, like on a drop down menu, you had to go very far on the drop down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and then what size did you reduce to? So I reduced to a, um, to a C cup, a large C cup. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to be honest, um, I wish that I had gone to a large B cup or a small C cup. Really? Um, yeah. Interesting. If I could go back and, and make that one change, I would, that's what I would do. And why is that? Because I still feel like they're kind of large and <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. I still, um, I still have to pick, um, a very supportive sports bra. Um, mm. and I still can't just run around braless Like I wish I could on hot summer days. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you could, I could, <laughs> well, there is, yeah, I could. So, yeah, I wish I had, and um, I wish I had just kind of maybe gone a little bit smaller, um, mm-hmm. and with the option possibly even of doing, going a, even a little bit smaller, and then a couple of years later having done a breast augmentation. Um, and part of that, too, is because after having breasts that large and having surgery, and that, during my surgery, I had a little bit of a lift, but I still feel like they're kind of a little droopy would have been mm-hmm. nice to go a little bit smaller and then get augmentation to make them nice and perky. <laughs> mm. so, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, and I want to be respectful with this question. It, um, from the photos you sent us, it looks like you've also lost some weight since your reduction. So um, how does that factor into the whole comfortable while running picture? And yeah, you're absolutely right. After my reduction, um, I had this sense of just empowerment and I felt so much more comfortable in my body and instead of feeling like well, I can't do that because my boobs are in, in the way or it causes me too much pain all of a sudden especially with running um it was more about I can do this and I can push myself to do this and this obstacle is out of my way now and so um I j- and I just felt so much better about my body that I mm-hmm wanted to take care of it and I wanted the rest of my body to match these new beautiful boobs I had (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. I really focused on my diet and working out consistently and I was able to lose a significant amount of weight Um, Mm -hmm. and so it just propelled me 
forward to doing that. And it just, and it also gave me so much more confidence in who I was. Mm -hmm. And I began, you know, I believed in myself and I was like, I can do these things. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, good for you. So the surgery was the first thing and then you lost the weight. Is that how it worked for you? Pretty much. Um, prior to the surgery, I had attempted to lose um, a little bit of weight going into it. And mm-hmm. um, that was also probably one of the reasons that I had decided to do the surgery is because I tried to lose weight and I did lose a little weight and nobody could tell. All they saw was mm-hmm. my boobs and they just still filled up my face. And I just, it felt like it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just always going to have this in front of me. And mm-hmm. so it was really defeating. Um, mm-hmm. and so I did lose maybe just a little bit of weight, but it wasn't the, to the significance that I did after I had the surgery. And you think that's because you were more mobile and yes, spurred forward by that? Yeah. yeah. I have a friend who had, um, she has big boobs and she had a double mastectomy. Um, and then she has reconstruction. Um, and she got a smaller size when she got the reconstruction. And, and she, she said that people always commented, oh, you lost weight. You look so good. And she's like, I didn't lose any weight. I just lost the boobs because they do make you look heavier. Yeah, they do. And, and, and like it, I said, I even felt like they filled up into my face even. Yeah. Took up that, that space. So mm-hmm. yeah. after the reduction, I, I just really felt like I could come forward as who I was and who I felt I'd always been instead of always having my boobs come forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, right? Because they're just out in front of you they're the whole time. always I, out in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I have big boobs too. And I don't feel like attached to them. Like, like, I, I also don't feel like they're like, really like me. They're there. I know they're not so big, I'm going to change it. But I know what you mean. It's like, I kind of I wish they weren't that big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what was your post-surgery recovery like? Like, how long was it before you could run or do other things pain-free? So, my post-surgery uh, recovery was actually probably a little bit different than most people. Um, mm. When I had my breast reduction, I had a partial hysterectomy at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I had a, a dual surgery. So, I was recovering from two fairly major surgeries simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Looking back, uh, I was probably a little crazy, but um, (laughs) I wanted to get it done. So I would say that um, it was probably I was out kind of doing some slow running at about probably between four and five weeks. Um, But I was full on. I was running. I was back at the gym. Well, I shouldn't say back. I really had before my reduction, I didn't enjoy going to the gym. So I worked out in my basement. So I joined the gym. I was running outside um, consistently, probably by about six weeks. And wow! And when I say pain free, it was not even just like surgical pain free. But I mean, I didn't have the pain I had before I had the surgery. So it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! So in an email to me, you mentioned that you wear your scars with pride. Um, so is it okay if you share a bit about the? the post-reduction kind of upper body landscape. And um, in that also then we asked for some questions on Facebook and Pauline asked any tips on dealing with the scars that don't shrink. I'm fine with them everywhere, but under my arms, they almost quote unquote fold under the sideband of my bra. And thanks to the decreased sensation of the scar tissue, I've uh, had some raw spots developed. So can you relate to that? Or do you have any advice for that? And also kind of what, 
What it, does it kind of look like after that the surgery? So I had my surgery about a decade ago, and I think they've made some adjustments to how they mm. do the surgery now. So it might be a little different. Um, mm-hmm. But my scars start at my breastbone. They go mm-hmm. underneath my breast and all the way up and underneath my armpit. Um, mm. In addition, because I had so much mass removed, uh, they actually had to remove my nipple area and reattach mm. it. So I've also mm. got scars there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be quite shocking. And I think that that's something anybody that's considering a breast reduction, they really have to evaluate that and how um, comfortable they are with that during the healing process. I joked probably for the per- first three to four years that I, uh, after my surgery, that I had Franken boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and um, for a number of years, I did have those raised red scars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and that can be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you're trying to wear like an underwire bra or different types of bras can kind of agitate those scars and whatnot. Over the years, they've gone from red to white. So now they're practically invisible. The ones under my arms are probably the ones that are still most noticeable. Mm-hmm. And um, like the, the lady that was talking about with the question, um, mm-hmm. mine were very, very raised under there. They were uncomfortable. And I ended up going to see a dermatologist about it. Um, we had moved about six months after my surgery, so I wasn't able to get to my um, plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. But I went and saw a dermatologist, and she was able to give me some cortisone shots that oh. actually really helped with that raised area and kind of settle down that area and cause it to mm. um, simmer down, I guess, and, and go more flat so that I wasn't as uncomfortable. Oh. That's interesting. So she might want to check with either her plastic surgeon that did the Mm -hmm. surgery or reach out to a dermatologist to see what they have available to help her with those because it can be um, uh, uncomfortable. There is a, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but there is a part where kind of the, the scar tissue, the scar ends and your regular skin, I guess, begins. And I, I, I think of it as like a little wing and it always hangs out of my sports bras and tank tops and I just don't even care. I'm like, mm. it, it's, it's, a, it's part of who I am mm. and it's part of my, my body. And I will take that little wing any day over what I had before. So mm. um, I can adjust my sports bra and tuck it in and hide it, but I don't even, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me anymore. And probably the first year or so after my surgery, I would try to find swimsuits or whatnot that didn't show that underarm scar. And again, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even think about it now. I'm wear what I wear and I love it. And kind of for me, if somebody sees that scar, another woman, and she knows what it is, she, we're like boob sisters. She sees that, she knows it. <laughs> she knows exactly. <laughs> so um, you're part of the same club, right? Part of the same club. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been very open about your surgery. Um, we wanted to ask a question posted by Aaron on our Facebook page. Are your breasts still sensitive to the touch? And I was also wondering if you, if you did have a baby, could you breastfeed after breast reduction? So in my instance, like I had said before, um, they had to remove my nipple and the nipple area. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my case, I would not be able to breastfeed. Um, but at the time of my surgery, I'd had a hysterectomy as well. So 
Mm -hmm. That was kind of a closed book for me anyways. And going in a little harder to get pregnant after that. Yeah. Yeah. Decreases your fertility. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going into the surgical process, you know, they were like, this could be a risk, but I was okay with that risk. Um, Mm -hmm. um, In terms of sensitivity. So I can still feel them, um, but it's different. It's not, I don't have the same sensations that I used to have. So it it has changed. Is it still an erogenous zone or not so much? Not so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's changes. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think with any type of big body change that you do, especially a surgical um, procedure like this, you, you have to weigh those those different factors in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For mm-hmm. me, I'm like, I'll take that and the scars any day. Like, <laughs> it just made mm-hmm. sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, final question that I think you're a great person to ask this question that comes from Lisa on Facebook. She says that, I'm quoting Lisa here, I'm about a B size and always love that I'm not that big. My very petite sister, five foot three and approximately 120 pounds, is a double D and extremely self-conscious. She won't even try running because of this. Would a breast reduction be something to suggest to her? That's a great question. And I really think there's, so many factors go into making this kind of a decision. Um, but I I think it would be a great conversation for her to have. It can be a mm-hmm. kind of a terrifying thing to think about. Um, and there's all these unknowns, right? And But if she maybe has that conversation and they start talking about it and maybe she can be that support system um, and, and help her sister-in-law to... Uh, find other women that have gone through it and ask Mm -hmm. questions and, you know, give her that confidence and support to start moving the ball forward. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't think there's any harm in Mm -hmm. taking a look and saying, what are my options? And uh, getting the information that you need in order to make a decision that works best for your life. Um, Again, for me, it was such a huge limiting factor. I just felt like the they were holding me back from doing all the things that I really wanted to do that mm-hmm. it made sense. Right. And so I think mm-hmm. she would just need to look at where she's at and what she wants. And is she okay with the risks? Is she okay with some of the changes that might happen through the process and then evaluate from there, but it takes a support system and mm-hmm. having people to, um, help you through that process. I was really lucky. My husband was 100% on board. And Mm -hmm. I had a couple of friends that had gone through it that I was able to talk to. Um, And so I I was just really fortunate in that regard. And so I think that's important as you're um, talking with somebody about possibly considering this is being able Mm -hmm. to listen to her and be a sounding board for her. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, April. I'm sure people listening to this are appreciative of it as well. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, April. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Our next guest is Stacy Biggert, a mom of three sons who lives in Tallahassee, Florida. I know from stalking her on Instagram that Stacy is an avid reader and into water sports as well as running. And thanks to social media, I also know she ran the Boston Marathon in April. Welcome, Stacy. Hi, thank you. I actually have four sons. Four sons. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I have two that I birthed, and then I have two stepsons. Nice. Nice, nice. So, um, well, then, as long as we're talking to them, talking about them, let's, um, how old are they? 
They are 20, 17, uh, 16, and almost 16. So the two that are that I birthed are 17 and 15. Gotcha. Gotcha, nice. gotcha. So tell us about your running background. I started running in college probably after my sophomore year. A friend of mine in college, I was I stayed in the summers and worked all summers in my college town, uh, challenged me to run around the mall at our university, and it's this tree-lined area at Furman University, and it's about a mile. And uh-huh. so I ran around this with him maybe like 6 o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of July. Ooh. It was the hottest, hardest thing I've ever done, but I got hooked <laughs> on it. And so that sort of introduced me to running and how it could be challenging and fun. And so I'm 42, so I've been running for about 22 years. Nice. Wow. Nice. Wow. I mean, if you can, if you can enjoy a 6 p.m., you know, run in South Carolina in July, then I'd say. I was challenged. How about that? More more challenged than enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I understand your boobs got big after having your sons. So uh, how big are they? (laughs) Well, um... There's a progression. I was always uh-huh. a busty teenage girl, which I never liked. It made me really self-conscious. So I was always yeah. about a D cup when I was in high school and college. And then when I had my children, um, especially because I had them so close, they're 15 months mm-hmm. apart. Um, mm-hmm. I got to be, I think after my second son was born and, you know, all was said and done, I think I was around a J. Oh, wow. So Another J. Was, my gosh. I and mean, I was a 32 to a 34 J. So wow. I still wasn't a big person, but mm-hmm. I just, like everything, it, I was enormous. To me, yeah. I was enormous. So, mm-hmm. and so that was, Alex was born almost 16 years ago. So mm-hmm. um, I was, that was a, that was back when you had to dig around the internet to find a bra that would fit herroom.com, which I think is still around. Mm-hmm. The only place that I could find anything. And uh, it was, unbelievably uncomfortable and it made me really self-conscious yeah yeah so okay so you had not one but two breast reductions what made you finally decide to go under the knife and then why did you have the second reduction I had wanted one for a really long time um Mm. but I just never wanted to take the steps to educate myself on it I thought it was going to be really really expensive and I knew from research that I had done that I wasn't a good candidate for insurance to cover it because I wasn't someone who'd gone to the doctor and you know, mm. created a consistent medical history of back pain because of it or anything like that. And so there was just always something else to do. Um, and there was always something else to worry about. And it just, it didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that it was a possibility for me. Mm. And then back around 2011, 2012, when my children were older and I'd lost all my baby weight and you know, my body was, you know, was, I was, I was the size I thought I would be. And I still didn't magically lose three or four bra sizes. I was still probably, you know, bra sizes are so weird. I was a 32 to a 34. I was bigger than a double D. So I don't know if that's an E or an F or whatever that is, but I was mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. really big. Um, the only, and I was running a lot at that point, And the only bra that ever worked for me because of the shape too of my breasts was the email. E-N-E-L-L. Right, the one with all the little hooks and eyes up the front. Yeah. Oh, all Mm -hmm. the hooks. You have to lay down to put it on. And then not only do your breasts not move, but your lungs can't really expand either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Carolina and Florida, it's really hot. And those bras don't breathe. And so, you know, I I just, I got to the point where I started investigating it. Um, So I went to see a plastic surgeon once I moved to Tallahassee. And I found out that actually was a pretty affordable surgery. 
And I had the first reduction in August of 2012. Now, if I had investigated a little further, there's two well-known plastic surgeons here, and one tends to be conservative on what he's willing to take out because a breast reduction mm -hmm. is removing a part of your body. And mm -hmm. you just can't put that back in. And some people, there's a, there's a psychological component to that. So I, I kept, you know, I wanted to be so small. I wanted to be an A or a B cup. I wanted to just wow. And um, mm. I was, after my surgery, which a breast reduction, at least in my experience, includes a lift. So, you know, it's a, it's a lift and a reduction. So the mm -hmm. shape changes and the size changes. And I was really happy with the lift. And I liked I mean, I looked good, but I was still too big. I was still a triple D. I still oh, was in yeah. trouble finding sports bras. Um, I still just, I wasn't happy. And I, every time I went for a recheck, I would comment on it. And my doctor would tell me just, you know, let's just see how they settle. Let's see how you feel. And mm -hmm. in April of 2013, I had the revision. And so the mm -hmm. revision was to take more out. Um, and I still wish he'd taken more out, but I'm happy. I'm very happy. Mm -hmm. I like the way that I look. Um, the scars are the same. They just cut the same scars. So I didn't mm. have new scarring. And um, I got down to now I am in a sports bra. I'm a 34C. And mm -hmm. I'm happy with that. That's a comfortable wow, that's size great. for me. Mm -hmm. So you told Sarah the reductions were a game changer. Uh, talk more about that. What's it like uh, to run with a smaller chest? Oh, it's so wonderful. It is so wonderful. Yeah. I, um, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Molly can only dream of such things. Oh, you know, I, and, and now, um, whenever I, I live in a big, Tallahassee's a big running community and it's so hot here for so much of the mm -hmm. year and so humid that we're all a bunch of sports bra runners. And mm -hmm. I, whenever I see women that I know are just so uncomfortable bouncing up and down, I just want to hand up the card. Um, the bounce is gone. The back mm -hmm. pain is gone. Um, one of the reasons why I feel like I was a much slower runner when I was younger was because there was so much, you know, in, in you know, vertical energy going up and down when I was <laughs> running. Um, you know, it's, it's painful. You have this, you change your form because you you have this uh, tendency to, to cover yourself or cradle yourself to try to stop the bouncing. Um, mm. I suddenly was able to, to go to a store and buy a sports bra without having to get online and order several sizes and try them on and see if they would actually work or are they going to rub on a distance run. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just it's a it's a such a it's such a change in your in your quality of life. Um, I was much more comfortable whenever you sleep, you're cooler. Um, it mm. helps. That's a funny concept, but it really does actually help with sweet sleep quality. Um, mm. It just, it, it seems like around the time that I had my breast reduction, that's whenever I started actually running faster and, you know, uh, age group placing in races and really improving wow. my times because no, you know, my, my breasts were no longer a problem for me. Like that wasn't something mm -hmm. that I had to worry about on every run. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, whenever you're big, it, it's really uncomfortable. And it's something that's like, it's in your mind when you're caught, when you're running. Mm -hmm. How much weight did that take off you going from a triple D to a, you know, a C like you with know, that second surgery? Um, I don't remember like scale weight, but like the, whenever I saw my post-op reports, it's uh -huh. really not as much as you might think. I think it was, it was, in, it, the measurement was in grams. Oh, and, okay. You know, I don't remember like the because I got the post op report um, to see how much they took out, and I remember thinking, really, like I would have thought that would have been just pounds and pounds off my body. I know. But I would think I guess, so too. 
breast tissue is not that heavy. I, I don't know. Um, but it was, a, it was a wet measurement in grams and I don't remember what it was because this was uh -huh. six years ago, but it was surprisingly small. It was way smaller than what I would have thought. And that's why after that surgery, I remember being in post-op thinking, oh, God, they did this to me again. They didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't take enough. <sighs> yeah, I pick up my breasts and I'm like, I wonder, is that like, <laughs> you, know, you can't really tell. Like, I've actually yeah. even, one time I put the scale on the counter, like, trying to <laughs> Because oh <laughs> you know, like they talk about the pencil test, like if you, you like, you shouldn't be, what is it like? If you shouldn't you be able to hold a pencil. Hold a pencil. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, pencil, pencil sharpener, phone book, <laughs> it can all go under there. Oh yeah, that's how I was. Like, it, yeah. You could hide all kinds, smuggle a lot there. Right. What else do you want? Right? <laughs> Who needs a purse? Oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> um. So let's, let's go back in time a, a a little bit and um, tell folks what your post-surgery recovery was, including how much time did you have to take off from exercising? Because it seems like that's a, obviously a big concern for a lot of women who are considering this. The the post-op um, both times was, was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So after you leave, um, the first time I had steri-strips, the same kind of like tape they may use if you have a C-section. Mm -hmm. um, the recovery the first time was a little worse because I had an allergic reaction to the adhesives and the steri strips, and I got contact mm. dermatitis, mm. which was uncomfortable and not fun. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, I didn't have to take that much time off. So I wore you what you don't wear an under eye bra for several weeks. You wear like a an a bra or one of those like you know just elastic like an ubi or one of those kinds of things. It's not going to put any pressure on your scars. Mm -hmm. um, you could start walking you know, very soon they're out. I mean, you know, within a couple of days, I mean, you feel kind of icky um, mm -hmm. because you had surgery and, um, sure. but I remember that I was, I was walking and probably starting to jog soon with a really tight jog bra on within a few weeks. It wasn't the recovery for me, neither time was anything earth shattering. And I don't remember it putting a big dent in training for me. Um, yeah. The way that I was looking at it is that whenever this was all said and done, my training was going to be dramatically improved because I didn't have you know, big breasts to deal with. Uh, so mm -hmm. it, it wasn't, that wasn't a big issue for me. Mm -hmm. I went back to work. I think I had both surgeries. I had like on a Thursday and I went back to work on Monday. Wow. wow that's great yeah. recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like you had a good surgeon. Uh, what advice would you give women who are considering a breast reduction? I, I wish I had, I wish I had uh, talked to more people in my community and research doctors mm -hmm. a little more because mm. I, I do think that one surgery is better than two. I wouldn't recommend mm -hmm. that anybody, Certainly. you know, let's take a little bit out see how we feel and let's do this again. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I also think um, I had a really good experience. And so I think that if you were uncomfortable with your breast size, if you're like me and you have, you know, pendulous breasts that no matter what kind of special bra you get, they still never fit right. They still never sit correctly. They still make your back hurt. They make you uncomfortable. It, you know, it was a really positive experience for me. I didn't have a lot of scarring. I can hardly mm. see my scars now. Wow. Um, and it was just really, six years ago, you said. Yeah, I can hardly see my scars. And I had mm. the... They're like a, an anchor shape. So they go, you know, under your breast or they take the tissue out. And then there's mm -hmm. like a, a slice that goes up towards my nipple and then around my nipple because they do a lift and they move, they actually move, the way they do a lift is they move your nipple. So mm -hmm. I had, you know, all the scars. 
mm-hmm. um, but you can hardly see my nail. Um, mm. You have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to have reduced sensation. And I certainly mm-hmm. do. And I always have. You have reduced mm-hmm. sensation in your nipples and in your breasts after this is over. And you need mm-hmm. to be okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing is it makes it makes a mammogram experience really really, really interesting because of the scar tissue that you have. Um, Mm -hmm. you're at a, you have to go back. I I have, every time I have a mammogram, I get called back for a second mammogram and an ultrasound um, to investigate your scar tissue and things like that. So it can make that a little more of a scary experience, but Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. not be afraid of it. It's the, it's one of the best things that I've done for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good advice. Great. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing Stacey. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Okay, now let's shift the conversation to women who opted to go bigger instead of smaller. First up is Dana Andrus, a mom and personal trainer who lives in the Portland area, but is talking to us from Idaho, where she's on family vacation. Thanks for taking time out to talk to us, Dana. Well, thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm very excited to be chatting with you guys today. Good, good. So tell us the ages of your kids. Um, my oldest, um, Max, will be seven in October, and my youngest, Parker, just turned five on the 4th of July. Mm. Uh, Yankee Very doodle dandy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice ages. So uh, tell us about your running background and also about your equestrian experience. Um, well, I've been running pretty much since I was 10, so my whole life I've been running but really haven't been serious or competitive or gotten into endurance until 2006. Um, But pretty much since 2006, I've been running nonstop. Um, Riding wise, I've been riding since I was 13. So what is that? Probably 93. Um, And I still have the same horse I got when I was 16. So I don't, I don't ride as much as I like to right now. I'm getting back into it. Um, You know, with kids, the shift in ages and, responsibilities it kind of has to take a backseat sometimes to running and running a backseat to riding so um mm-hmm. but i mean pretty much for the last 26 years i've been riding horses as well mm. wow wow nice. what kind of horse do you have um i have a paint oh nice you must live in the outskirts of portland yeah i'm technically in hillsboro um so while she's not at my house um she's always been in hillsboro or banks or north plains Area, okay so so she's at yeah. a, a barn close by yeah oh that's great right yeah it's a lot easier when you have kids than having to take care of all the animals plus your kids so. <laughs> yeah well but the boys yeah. are going to want to start to learn to ride right you know they aren't as excited about riding but they both know how to clean a stall and they love <laughs> horse poop and they you know they love the grooming and they're taking care of the, the horse and all of that kind of fun stuff. So they've ridden oh. a couple of times, but um, my oldest, especially, he's more into running with me. Um, he did oh, no. three miles with me yesterday. And we're oh, altitude awesome. here, here in McCall. So I was impressed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, so it sounds like you're, you're pretty active and into fitness and you have been oh, for yeah. quite a while quite a while but so what prompted you to get a breast augmentation and please include what size you were pre-surgery and now oh you bet i mean it's something i've been thinking about oh gosh i mean well before i had children um, my twin sister had an augmentation done i'd say about 10 11 years ago um Mm. you know i mean i just remember being 12 13 and just oh when are my boobs gonna come in and just having (laughs) that feeling of like oh 
you know, when I hit puberty, I'll have boobs. Like, just being kind of excited about that. And that really kind of didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I've always been a very naturally lean build, um, even through pregnancy. I mean, very lean. So, of course, with that being said, I just naturally didn't really have much breast tissue. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it always had been a thought. Um, I mean, I was so small, people even asked me how I was going to breastfeed. Mm. Um, which was not not not, not rude I mean, at all, is, right? I mean, people think because I do have a lean frame that commenting on my physique is totally acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny, like I was able to feed both my children. I had very large babies, um, eight, twelve, and nine, one. Um, mm. Breastfed them easily. I actually had so much milk. My second time around, I had a pump and feed. Oh my goodness. Um, small boobs does not mean you can't breastfeed ladies. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. And so, you know, after having my kids, I mean, they went to even smaller. I mean, so small to the fact, like when I had my, my consult with Dr. Waldorf and I sent the pictures to my husband, he goes, who is this? This looks like a boy. And I was like, oh, that's boy. me. Like he, did, I mean, he never, ever felt or said that at all after I had kids. Like he loved everything about me and and supported every aspect of what I wanted. Mm, But just for me, you know, I just, I couldn't even, I would be back into training bras if I were to actually wear a bra again. And, um, and to me, I was like, I just, I just don't look like the woman that I feel like I am. And Mm. so a dear friend of mine who I've, very much respect she got it done I was like and for me that was my light switch I was like okay I'm I'm totally comfortable with making this decision and making it for me and only for me and Mm -hmm. um my husband's like you do whatever you want to do I will support you and and so once I was ready I did my consult and I yeah just went for it so I would say before so I had 50 cc's of breast tissue before my augmentation Mm-hmm. which is really nothing. I mean, flat as a board if you raised your hands up. <laughs> well, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So so I went with a 275 implant, um, uh-huh. which would say puts me at a full B. Uh-huh. I, was a little, I was a little worried that I was going to pay all this money and, and it was going to be too small. Um, uh-huh. But Dr. Waldorf, who is in Portland, um, Cedar Hills area, lots of people came um had come to her and she was highly recommended uh-huh. and she's like, I will not go bigger. I mm. just won't. And I, Oh my God, pray to God. So glad that she did not let me go bigger. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, it won't look good on your frame. It won't look natural. Um, mm-hmm. And most people don't even know I have it done. I mean, mm. it, it matches my frame and is exactly what I wanted. Oh, um, good. So what cup is a 275? I would maybe say, this is really sad. I still only wear either sports bras or the like cheapy little Target bra that I got. So I'd say it's a B. I think we, mm-hmm. when we went to Victoria's Secret and tried some bras, I was probably about a B cup, a full B, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I mean, it's it just becomes very relative um, mm-hmm. to your frame size because 275 would be a very small implant compared to everybody that I know that's had it done. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like I said, I was a little nervous, um, but I have a 30 inch like rib cage. 
which is yeah, it's pretty, pretty small. small. Um, yeah. You know, my, my twin sister went much bigger, but her rib cage is more like a 34. So mm-hmm. that's going to look different. So, I mean, even as a, as a personal trainer, you know, things that I look for are balance. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Waldorf was perfect with that, with finding something that balanced my frame and mm-hmm. made it look natural and appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talented mm-hmm. surgeon. Mm-hmm. Well, just for uh, reference, 50 cc's would be 10 teaspoons. That's what your breast tissue was to begin with. Oh, boy, that is. Yeah, that. I mean, five cc's like is a teaspoon. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank yes, you for so, knowing that. No, no judgment, Dana. That, <laughs> no, no, I take it. I mean, uh, yeah. like, no one really judged. I mean, it kind of matched my frame a little bit, and I didn't feel judged, but I just didn't feel like I looked how I felt, mm-hmm, if that makes mm-hmm. in, any sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I, I want to look more womanly. I've had two children, and I've got all these other um kind of, I wouldn't say scars, but like just things that you can tell my body's had children and I love mm-hmm. it and I appreciate it. And, you know, I just wanted the boobs to go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so before your surgery, were you worried your new rack would hinder your athletic endeavors? A little bit. Cause I remember being in the breastfeeding stage and thinking, Oh my God, I hate having the sweat between my boobs. I don't like the bounce. I just uh-huh. didn't like that feeling. Mm-hmm, and, um, mm-hmm. and well, when you have implants versus breastfeeding breasts, you know, it's, they're very different. So, I mean, mine don't go anywhere, even after three years. I mean, there's really no bounce. There's no, <laughs> uh-huh. there's still not a lot of movement there. So it didn't change anything at all. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and so your surgery and recovery uh, were fairly smooth. How long were you out of commission? Oh my gosh. I, you know, I feel very lucky. I don't know if it has to do with the fact I was really in shape going into it or that my body, I just have a really efficient body as well. And I bounce back really easily from stuff, but I had mm. my surgery on a Wednesday. My bandages were removed the next day. I think I was showering my hair within 24 to 48 hours I was back to work by Monday I mean I wasn't demoing a whole lot at work but I mean I was back to work with clients on Monday no big deal and taking care of my horse I mean of course very gingerly but Dr. Mm -hmm. Waldorf has horses as well so she knew what I was doing Mm -hmm. so she would just tell me what I could do and couldn't do and um yeah, I mean, I, I didn't do the pushing and pulling like you're told not to and not lifting a lot of heavy stuff but I mean, I'd say it felt like a really hard workout for the first 48 hours and really just took a couple muscle relaxers and that was kind of about it. For me, it was, it was very smooth and easy, wow. which is not always the case for a lot of people. I had a mm-hmm. friend just have hers done and she just had a lot more pain and trauma than she was expecting. And I was like, I, I felt bad because for me, it was, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So did you find that running is different with bigger boobs? And, and I have to ask as part of that, um, yeah. th- you mentioned that your breasts are so firm, much more firm than natural yes. breasts. Okay. It, is it, it, it like, do you even have to wear a sports bra? I probably wouldn't have to if I was running wow. like a short distance. I mean, mm-hmm. they really don't move a whole lot um, because there isn't much breast tissue on top of it. 
Um, I'm sure if I had gained uh, more weight and had gained extra fat on top of my implants, that would be different. Um, mm-hmm. But it's mostly the implant and they sit a little further out than your natural breasts, which, you know, sit closer together. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that's, I mean, it's more funny than anything. When it's cold, like my implants get cold when I run. So if I come back from a morning run, my boobs are freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so so you don't. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So so you don't get that sweat between your boobs. You get the exact opposite of that. <laughs> are they saline? I, mean, um, I think they're actually silicone. It's so funny. Some of the details. I'm like, gosh, I don't remember. I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive. Um, they're they're silicone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you have more chafing now that you have a bigger rack or? Nope. And I still actually wear the same sports bras that I wore before. Um, I mean, some are a little snugger than others, um, but nope, no chafing. I didn't really get a whole lot of chafing though before. I very rarely chafe on anything. Oh, so that's, Dan- that's definitely. I know I'm. I'm one of those lucky. Oh, Dana, people. Dana, yeah, exactly. It's telling us you're lean. You don't chafe. Uh, uh, <laughs> how, tell us something to make us like you. Come on, come on. <laughs> oh my god, I don't even. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. You I'm sound delightful. Not, <laughs> yeah. My and body's definitely not the same after children. I will say that on, on different yeah. aspects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what advice would you give runners who are considering augmentation? Um. I would definitely say make sure it's something you really want to do and not for anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Good advice. You know, I mean, it has to be for you first and foremost. I mean, but I'd also say like, it's okay to not like that part of your body. You know, mm-hmm. I've been working with women for 13 years as a trainer. I seriously have only met one woman who was 100% happy with her breath. Mm-hmm. I mean, more women than not want them either reduced or added. And I think that if that is something you are really unhappy with, that that's okay too. Um, you know, in our society, the biggest push is, you know, to be accepting of your body and to love everything, but it's also okay not to love something. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, any woman who has a question for me about that, um, I'm happy to be open and, and help them to navigate that and let them know it's okay to not like it. It's okay to change it. Um mm-hmm. You know, we do all these other things, our hair, our makeup, our clothes. Why? To make mm-hmm. us look and feel our best. And mm-hmm. if that is something that's going to help you, I mean, I strongly encourage every woman or person um, to do that. Most definitely. I mean, for the most part, I love everything about my body. Even my big ropey varicose veins after kids. Like, it was a badge <laughs> of honor, you know. And I've had people ask me when I'm going to fix it. I'm like, but it shows that I like had these kids, you know, so many people told me I'd be too skinny to have my own babies. And that just was not true either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, just having, having my augmentation, just, it made me feel sexier for my husband. It made me feel just more confident that I can put on any shirt and it's going to fit me well. And I'm going to look good in it. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I encourage every woman to, you know, embrace what they like and don't like. And if they don't like it, you can change it. That's okay too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's okay, awesome. ladies. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Th- thank you so much for taking time out of your vacation, Dana, to talk to us. Uh, no problem. It's a pure pleasure. Uh, I, I heard Cindy's uh, 
a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so jealous that he's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. You should have wished for something more substantial than being on the podcast. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, oh, that's so cool. So I'm, I'm finally getting into a podcast, and all these running podcasts, and, you know, there's, it's just cool hearing other people's story, whether, you know, you're an everyday runner and mom like me or, you know, you're this elite runner. I mean, it's just all cool to hear and you mm-hmm. hear everybody's format. So exactly. it's truly an honor to, to be a part of you guys. And and honestly, before I even had kids, my sister had your book and I went to your, one of your book findings. I don't even think I was married. I was like, oh, this oh is my so gosh. cool. I can't wait to be a mom. And, you know, oh. it kind of feels a little full circle to to be on nice. that so <laughs> awesome awesome thank you for sharing that dana i really appreciate it well thanks so much for having me sarah i, I greatly appreciate it okay take care bye-bye bye you too bye-bye our final guest is in studio with us which i always adore megan hubler a mom of one who also lives in the greater portland area Longtime listeners might remember megan a repeat guest she's one of the runners who ran the 2016 boston marathon courtesy of highlands she was also on a Facebook Live we did a few months ago, which Molly was also on, both of the modeling sports bras. So it's a harmonic convergence once again. Uh, thanks for coming back to chat, Megan. Thanks for having me. So how old is your son now? He's 12. So refresh our minds. How long have you been running and how did you become one? Oh, gosh. Um, I have been running since really since my son was born in 2007. And he's the reason I became a runner because I had some postpartum issues with him. And I realized one day walking with him that um, I felt so great. And so I was gone for an extra long two hour walk that day. And my (laughs) husband's like, where are you? Everything okay? And I'm like, I feel great. Like I'm on top of the world. This is wonderful. And so from that point on, I started um, running and adding lots more mileage. And that would be like my distance running Mm -hmm. kickoff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's dive into details about your boob job, um, (laughs) uh, which you are very open about, um, as we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, When did you get it and what prompted you to get it? Your size before, your size now? Um, I got it in 2008. Actually, my I weaned my son at, I don't know, a year and a half. And I literally like nursed him that night. And then the next morning I went and I had my augmentation done. Wow. (laughs) So that was the cutoff for him. Like, okay, we're done. I mean, it wasn't at that point, you know how kids are when you Mm -hmm. wean them from nursing, they're just kind of doing it for comfort issues. It wasn't like a motive nutrition for him at that point so um and I did it because I just didn't like what had happened to them after nursing a child I mean I was always in the larger breasted arena um so really my size didn't go down I was a 32d then and I still am now so they're just different So, but you did have an augmentation, like, so the breastfeeding did deflated them or you yes. knew they'd deflate and yep. then you'd, okay. So yeah, yeah, they were just, um, they, yeah, they just, they didn't have, I don't know. It seemed like the stuffing was gone. You could put a bra on like a really supportive push-up bra uh-huh. and get still the same, kind of the same look. But then once I took the bra off, it was not the same look and it just bothered me. Mm-hmm. It really bothered me. And, and that was after you know, my son was just like comfort nursing at that point. So 
there wasn't a whole lot of production of milk going on. So I could see, okay, well, this is what they're going to look like. And even worse, after I totally stop this. So I'm just, this will be what will force me to stop nursing him and uh, make myself happier. Well, good for you. Yeah. So what was post-surgery recovery like? How long did it sideline you from running? Um, it, so funny enough, I, um, I walked the Portland Marathon uh, two weeks later. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's pretty we good recovery. We were not prepared for that answer. It, I wasn't prepared to say that. It was funny because my girlfriend was like, oh, by the way, I signed us up for the Portland Marathon. And at this point, again, I wasn't like a full on distance runner yet. I had done maybe a half marathon, a few half marathons probably, but um, definitely not thinking a marathon. She's like, but I got us the VIP package. It's going to be great. We'll just walk it. And I'm thinking, okay, how bad can walking a marathon be? And actually, it was so bad walking that marathon. And I don't know if a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was still recovering from a fairly, you know, intense surgery, um, because they had to do a lift, you know, and the augmentation. Mm -hmm. And it was awful. And that actually prompted me to say, no, I'm running a marathon. That has got to be way easier than walking this horrible thing. It was so awful. So, um, and so is running easier? Much, <laughs> much. To this day, I still stand by that. Um, but the recovery was bad. It was hard because I had, you know, an 18-month-old kid, and I have to get him in and out of the car seat, and you can't really lift anything. So um, I don't know. At the time, I think I, like, told everybody I had, like, dislocated a rib or something so that I could get some help with him because I wasn't ready to, like, share the fact that I had had an augmentation. Uh, but then soon after it's like you realize how many women actually have these and it's nothing that you need to be shy about uh the running though was as i became more of a runner it um it was interesting i mean i went through all i had to go through a lot of different changes with my running you know with um holding my shoulders back and sports bra support cuz now they're heavier like mm-hmm. they're a lot heavier so um but i feel like i'm in a good place now mm-hmm. As a, a runner, were you more conservative or conscious of your decision for size? No, I did not think at all about um, any of that when I had them done. I just, I really wanted to stay the same mm-hmm. size, essentially. I didn't want to go a, a lot bigger. So, um, I mean, he, he did a good job. My surgeon did a good job at fulfilling my needs for that. And I actually, so that was... 11 years ago. And I went back last year and said, Hey, I mean, it's been 10 years. Is this something that I have to like redo thinking, Oh God, please do not make me have to redo this because the surgery recovery is awful. It really is awful. It's just, it's painful. It's, Mm. I mean, you feel like Frankenstein, Mm. (laughs) you're totally stitched up. Mm. I don't know. I I didn't have a C-section, but I would assume it's somewhere similar maybe Mm. to what women go through when they Mm. have Mm C-sections. Um, but he, uh, you know, and I was concerned about with the more distance, the more miles I log, like them dropping. Mm. And he said, he looked at him, he's like, no, these look great. You do not have to have them redone every 10 years. There's nothing that says that that's the case. It's really only if you want to have them done or um, like there's a failure in the implant itself. But he looked at me and was like, I think they look just as good now as they did that. And she compared the pictures. I was like, awesome. Wow, yeah, because I had heard that, that I thought it was, 
you know, kind of like getting new tires on your car that you have to like replace them every so often. So that's not the case. Not the case. Not the case at all. And the girl at the front desk, she's like, I've had mine for 20 years. I was like, (laughs) okay, well, that makes me feel better. (laughs) I guess you probably just need to take care of them. I don't know. And there but every time yeah yeah, right polish them them. (laughs) Um, but yeah they they were I remember when I told him after the before I went and had the surgery I said by the way I'm doing this marathon walking this marathon in two weeks and they just he and his nurse were like um yeah you can but I don't know why you'd want to do that that's pretty intense and then I came back and then after 10 years ago, when I saw him, I'm like, I've done, you know, eight marathons now. And he was just, he was super impressed. I mean, he should be, I think it's yeah, I think me taking care of him, but also his skill as a surgeon. I mean, he yeah. obviously did a good job. Right, yeah. right. You're his poster child. I should be. <laughs> did you get saline or silica? I had, I have saline okay. because back then I know it seems like like back then, like it was so long ago. I know, but right? it you feels know, like just yesterday. It does. <laughs> um, the silicone had just come back as like FDA approved, mm. and so I was a little sketched out about doing silicone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did saline. But mm-hmm. honestly, if I had to have them redone now, I probably would do the saline, or I'm sorry, the silicone, just because. And I've I've told this, I've asked the surgeon about this before, but like a couple years ago, I think it was when I was training for Boston, they felt like. Every so often, I'd get this weird sensation in my chest, like they were, the water in there was like bubbling or something. Oh. It was kind of, it, and it didn't hurt, but it was a little bit just uncomfortable and disconcerting. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, no, that can't happen. <laughs> You're not getting it boiling hot. Right? So, I don't know what the case was, but peace of mind for myself, I'd probably go the the okay. silicone wrap. Okay. okay. So you mentioned that you kind of have to lift, move your shoulders back a little. Does your new rack have any other impact on your running form or your pace? No. I mean, re- the biggest issue was just my chafing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we, we can move on to that one because after Boston, I vividly remember you, you showing me the scar at the top of your rib cage under your breast from years of chafing. Yep. So, and then when we did the Facebook live, you were telling me this really innovative solution you have of that. Um, Tagaderm. So you, yes. So you tell people about that, please. Yeah. So um, after years and years of suffering from this and really contemplating if I'm going to have to stop running over this yeah. because I had tried everything. I had tried cutting and restitching and trying to alter sports bras just so that I didn't have this chafing issue because essentially what's happening is like, I don't have a super large rib cage, but yet I have a pretty significant size implant. Mm -hmm. So my breasts in any sports bra get completely shoved together and then it just pours in there like the sweat, you know, from it. So it's just being held in there. And then the bottom of my sports bra in between my breasts just rubs me raw and I literally am scarred from it. So, um, I had tried like water. I was like, well, maybe like waterproof bandages of some sort. And then I found somebody had a burn and they had the tagaderm over their burn. And I'm like, Ooh, what is that stuff? And so I looked it up and I bought it from like a medical grade, like online store, medical store. And, um, yeah, you just get these rolls of the stuff. And so I cut a whole bunch of different sizes and I literally like plastered the whole bottom of my Mm. chest and wherever it would chafe. And it's, it works. 
Yeah, as long as I stay on top of it. And even on top of the tagaderm, it's so thin. It's like your skin that you can actually put like glide or Vaseline over it to give it even like an extra. Wow. So it's really becomes like a part of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep it in my purse. 24-7. Like little (laughs) pieces. Uh Yeah, because you know when you're marathon training, you really run when you can run. I Uh mean, people are busy. And so it's like, okay, you keep your running shoes in the car. You keep a sports bra in the car. I keep my tagaderm in the car or in my bag. You know, (laughs) it's always there. Oh, my goodness. So what advice would you give to uh, women runners who are thinking about having augmentation? Just be ready to deal with a little bit of change. I don't, there's nothing that I couldn't address but, um, you know, the back, holding my shoulders back, that went away quickly. And actually, it's really helped me with my posture. It forces me to keep my shoulders back. Um, and once those muscles get stronger from you doing that more often, it goes away. There's no more like, oh, my chest hurts when I run because of my it's like back pain because they're heavier. The muscles will strengthen and you'll eventually adapt to it. And um, the chafing, Tagaderm, I have been golden ever since. You can put anywhere on your body. <laughs> um, oh, I've never, have you tried it? I mean, uh, you're slender, so I'm maybe you don't have chub rub between your thighs or something. But I mean, could you put it like underneath your uh, I underarm? do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I put it. Um, so especially here in Portland, it's been super humid, right? Lately. So we have. Relatively speaking. Well, our, yeah. our listeners in the South are mocking us right now. Huh? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. In East Coast, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, ha ha. You don't know what humidity is. Uh, but it's humid for me. Yeah. I'm not used to this. And so I've been rubbing like in my armpits area. So I've actually been putting it on there lately. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> now you own stock in the company so that right. you get it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was 70% humidity this morning. Was it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, that makes me feel that's better. Hum- humid. Well, your boobs are beautiful. Thank As you. are you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So she's in studio. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, coming in and joining us, Megan, and talking with us again. Of course. Thank you, ladies. Well, I think that's enough conversations about boobs for the day, but I I hope you all found that enlightening. I sure did. Um, Here is Dimity to tell us what's going on in the Train Like a Mother Club. Hey, everybody, it's Dimity here with our Mother Runner of the Month. I am so excited to talk to Clara Ashwood, who is um, a runner in Ann Arbor, Michigan. She was nominated by her friend Rachel, who which we'll explain in a second. But um, welcome, Clara. Congratulations. Hi, thank you. I was very surprised and very excited because I love listening to you guys. Well, thanks. And tell me, how, why did Rachel nominate you and how do you know Rachel? Tell me those two I, things. Yeah, I know Rachel through school. We um, teach at a school in summer, uh, called Summers Knoll. It's a pre-K through eighth grade school, uh, progressive school here in Ann Arbor. And so um, we met there. Um, in fact, like shortly after I started teaching there two years ago, uh, we just had a conversation and found out that we were both uh, training for the Detroit Marathon. Um, so, of course, you know, runners find each other and connect pretty quickly. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm on the preschool side. She's on the middle school side. Um, we always say there's not much difference from middle school and preschoolers. Um, <laughs> apart from hormones, I think. Yeah, exactly. Hormones and, yeah, that's ex- and a little yeah. sassiness. Although I think preschoolers are pretty sassy too, right? Oh, they can. Yes, they can be very sassy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so you, I mean, you don't have any biological kids, but I imagine all those preschool kids, I mean, how many do you oversee in a day? 
Yes. Um, yeah, I don't have any kids um, living with me at home. <laughs> yeah. I'm an auntie as well. Um, uh, usually at uh, 15 at a time per day. Um, sometimes, you know, some are part-time, some are full days. Um, so it gets pretty busy. And then this year we have two preschool classrooms. So there'll be even more that I'll be overseeing and getting to be full of love and give them love. And yeah. That's, that is a very... Um... I imagine that it, it creates, it, it, it demands a lot of energy and emotion. I mean, I can it imagine it exhausted by the end of the day. Yeah, it does. It, it keeps me young too, I think. But, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and you also have a dog who you like to run with. Uh, tell us about Houdini. Houdini, yes. And I um, used to run with Callie, my other dog who passed away, who was a Basset Hound Black Lab. She oh my was gosh. a big Cute. runner. Um, yeah, they actually helped me train for my first marathon in 2008. Um, they would just do the shorter runs, but um, they keep you going. They keep you good pace. Um, but yeah, Houdini is a beagle, so he's full of energy. And um, even at 12 years old, he can keep going. Um, some really hot summers, uh, hot days this summer, and he just, he wouldn't stop. So um, I have to almost take care of him and tell him, okay, a mile and a half for you, little old man, is, is good. <laughs> um, awesome. but yeah, he's a good beagle. He used to um, have impromptu sprints um, when I, I'd have to go chase him when he got lost. Um, oh my gosh. Oh, so he was out like off, off leash somewhere? Yes, he would, he would just escape. Because his name's Houdini. I was so. just about to say, he's got the perfect name. <laughs> I should have awesome. named him Stay Home. Um, <laughs> Stay Home, I yeah. love it. Well, so, and you mentioned marathons. So how many marathons have you run? Yeah, so I've done seven. Um, okay. I'm coming up to my eighth one this October, doing Grand Rapids um, in Michigan. So, um, yeah, I've done Twin Cities three times, Grandma's Marathon twice, Chicago once, and Detroit once. Nice. And, um, yeah. and what do you like about that distance and that training for it? Yeah, I, I think just, um, you know, I love half marathons too and shorter distances, but um, just the longevity that you, it takes to do the training. For me, um, and I'm sure for a lot of long distance runners or any, any race you're training for, you just really learn a lot about yourself and um, how to strengthen yourself and how to motivate yourself um, while you're training for weeks and weeks and, and months, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, right now, just um, mentally has been, it's been a good challenge for me mentally, just to, um, coming back after injury, just to remind myself that this is something I love to do and that I get to do and um, I'm choosing to do this as well. Yeah. Um, and finding the joy in those every time you go out there and just show up on the, in, in training. Well, and part of the reason that Rachel, um, uh, nominated you, I was going to say recommended you, but that's the wrong verb, nominated you, um, was that you do, you share that joy so much with, with her, even though it sounds like you guys don't run together much, but you work at a yeah. running store and then you also use your um, energy and your running expertise to take the kids out for a spin at your school. So talk to me a little bit about why you are so giving and so like love to help other people run. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, it was so sweet of Rachel, too, and we do have so many conversations. I think one thing is you can relate with others so easily as a runner. So whenever I see, um, whenever I go to a race and I'm a spectator, I know how it feels to be on that road. You see the um, desire to finish. You see the pain that they might be going through. You, you see the joy, and it gives me chills, and you want to 
just encourage them. And um, you know how much energy it takes. So whenever I'm cheering and shouting, I'm just trying to give back that energy and telling them like, there's chocolate milk at the finish line. <laughs> or, you're, I mean, you're just so strong. I remember like shouting at the Twin Cities Marathon saying only a 5k to go. And there was a couple looks like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. But you know, it's just mentally. Um, so I think just um, telling my, I, I, it helps me too, because I have to remind myself to cheer myself on, on those days that I'm tired and down. And I just think about that, like, well, what would I say to my friend or some stranger in a race? Like, what would I say to them? And sure. so I think it's just good um, to encourage others. It, it makes you feel like you're part of it too. Um, but even like as we do like um, runs with the kids and we do a 5K every year, it's just fun to share that joy and that passion with others. And especially with kids where you can just, you know, um, understand where they're at and also know there could be other challenges in life. Um, and um, I, I feel like running is very uh, symbolic to your own life. And, you know, even when there's challenges, you can face them and you can um, be stronger on the other end, for sure. Absolutely. That's awesome. I yeah. agree 100%. Um, and so talk <laughs> yeah. about cheering. One of the things that um, that you like to do is, is put up signs um, and are, or there's a sign that your boyfriend puts up uh, says, you're such good at running. I just you're love such that. Good at running. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's supposed to be, I mean, it's not, it's obviously mistakes are intentional there, right? You're such good yes. at running. So tell me the genesis of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, well, it's just this, a group of friends, we always say you're such good at something or that's such fun. It's just like a little inside joke. Um, but yeah, that um, poster was made actually from my sister because she has more artistic talents than my boyfriend. Those are his <laughs> words, not mine. <laughs> so my sister Emily made it with this cute little giraffe um, that has um, a meaning too, of course. Um, but really, um, I was doing the Twin Cities 10 mile and I had torn my hamstrings. And this was like a year later and it was my first race coming back. Um, Matt and I had just started dating that year. So I think we were like six months into our dating relationship. Um, so it was very symbolic of a lot of new beginnings for me or yeah, brand new beginnings after being injured. Um, and so he came and saw me at the race and he had that poster and then we just kept it. And like, I really, that poster just gave me so much joy and love. So every race he comes to, he has that poster. Oh, that's and so fun. We're such good at running. And it, <laughs> it is symbolic too, because he's told me to like, running isn't just like a, a hobby uh, on the side kind of thing. It's, it's what you're good at and it's what you love. It's part of who you are. So yeah, that little poster says a lot there for That's sure. Awesome. Has he ever gotten any comments or like laughs from other runners that have no <laughs> idea what it means? Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, like you go to a race and you see signs and you're not sure what's, what they really mean. Um, sure. Sure. But um, it's, there's a cute little giraffe on it. So I think that's all. That <laughs> they you. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Clara. So just moving forward, um, let's just yeah. finish off with, I mean, so one of the things that I think you're good at and you kind of seem humble about it, but is, is encouraging kids to run. And I know that a lot, we have a lot of parents listening to this podcast. So do you have any recommendations if they want to get their kid to run or, you know, have them join them in a 5k, like what would you do? Um, what, what advice do you have for them? 
Oh, sure. Um, and that was part of this. Um, Rachel had me run with her daughter, Margo, and we did a 5K. And that was really fun to run with her. And I think that's where I realized how, um, first of all, how important it is for kids to get out there and be healthy and um, just do something that they love. And maybe it's a challenge. Um, so running with Margo, I, I was just kind of telling her, like, you can do this. But I think the biggest thing you can do is, um, and this is kind of the teacher side in me, is model. And, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. Um, you could be telling the kid, hey, turn off your phone and you'll be on your phone Instagramming and they'll see that. They won't hear your words. Sure. So I think even, um, you know, I ran with my friend Maria. We trained for Twin Cities and she had um, her two sons and she said it was so hard to get away from them at times, um, but that it was very intentional in doing that and saying, I'm going to go train and run. Um, train for this marathon and go for my run that her boys um also you know wanted to run so I've also learned from other mothers um I think yeah but the biggest thing is the model and sure. to show what's important and to encourage your kid to find what's important to them and what's um brings them joy sure. and also knowing there are some things that you might need to do that you might not want to do, but you know that it's going to be better for you. I mean, we wash the dishes because we know it's going to be better than a stinky house. So sometimes you have to run as a chore and, and showing the kids, you know, um, it's important to do things and have good habits. Um, but really just having fun with it. I think the more you push something on, um, on your children, the more they'll reject it or <laughs> turn away. Amen yes. to that. I've learned that what, like 17,000 times and maybe the next time it'll sink in, probably not, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. So well, definitely modeling. Yeah. Modeling is great. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you, Clara. Congratulations. Good luck. Yeah. No, I hope your, you. um, your plantar fasciitis stays away. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks. You too. We have two podcast recording parties coming up. I'd love you to be there for one, both of them. I mean, go on the road with us. You know, it's like the Grateful Dead or Fish. Um, one is in Bend on Tuesday, September 10th at Foot Zone. It's a crossover episode of Work, Play, Love with Lauren Fleshman and her hubby, Jesse Thomas. And I will share the link to RSVP in the show notes or probably if you search on Facebook because Foot Zone has uh, the RSVP page on their Facebook page. And also please save the date on Saturday, October 5th. Dimity and I will be hosting a podcast party at the Twin Cities Marathon Expo with special guest Olympian Carrie Tolufson. So that's going to be extra special. We hope you can join us if you're running the Twin Cities Marathon or if you live there nearby. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Many happy miles.